passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If you want to know what 316 Day is all about, give me a hell yeah. I said, if you want to know what 316 Day is all about, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah! I'll be the first to admit that I saw my life flash before my eyes when King Corbin threw me off that roof. But a miracle happened. Two seconds after I was thrown off the roof, I landed on a second roof just six feet down. And by the time I realized that I had to get up, climb that ladder and reach that briefcase, my partner tonight, Alistair Black, met the same fate and landed right next to me. I need to Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Everyone's sick. Everyone's got the Steve Carino virus. It's out of control. It's not the Steve Carino virus. What? You think your company is safe because you gave us contracts? Think again. And we will be fighting tooth and nail. Tagawa got devoured. Never play with sharks, little Jimmy. Never play with sharks. I mean, we can only truly hope that whatever Ray suffered here tonight doesn't permanently alter his life. Don't do it. Don't do this. Don't do this, Randy. that it is officially time to go back and revisit the very worst of 2020. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, and once again, assembling the panel with us, Davey Portman, Braden Harrington of Up Next. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. We're, we're here to be negative. This is going to be an entire show dedicated to negativity and getting rid of the worst of 2020, because we cannot embrace 2021 until we rid ourselves of all the bad that occurred in 2020. So this is our yearly disclaimer at the beginning of this show. 
if you are someone that subscribes to the power of positivity and are going to be upset with such negativity, this is where the podcast ends for you. Thank you for downloading it. You will hate this show. I don't want to hear any complaints because this is our negative podcast of the year. Is that not right, Way? Well, I think in order to, you know, start the new year fresh, we have to dig deep and oust the demons of the past year. And I think this is what we're here to do. It's it's a way to to wash ourselves and completely bury forever all the worst of wrestling in 2020. Yeah, we ha- it's like a detox. Mm-hmm. It is. We we are going to exercise all the demons uh, from the pro wrestling landscape. Of literal 2020. demons in wrestling. Sometimes we do have literal demons to talk about on this show. We have narrowed it down this year to six sixteen different categories uh, that we will be going through we are going to share our picks and then at the end of the show we will open it up uh, to any callers that want to call in maybe create some of their own worst of awards for the year maybe uh, remind us of some things that uh, were, were missed because this is where it's like a collective bonfire we are going to throw all the garbage in as a community and then move on to a new year in 2021 this is when the official new year begins I think this has been the the hardest one I've done of these worst ofs because this year, 2020, was so crazy in wrestling. Not only did we have have the empty arenas and all these cinematic matches that were coming, but the bad just seemed to come out relentlessly. And when putting together this list, you start thinking and then you go, oh, but there was that, but there was that. And... It's one thing going, okay, which match was better, this one or this one? But this year we're going, which wrestling murder was worse than the other? (laughs) It's been crazy. Worst murder could have been a category this year because there was no shortage of it. Um, Worst resurrection as well from the dead. Worst like bodily harm (laughs) to someone, like pulling someone's eye out to burn them. Every company just hated eyes this year. Yeah, and fingers, obviously, but it's insane. Well, we are not asking for your eyes, only your ears. Uh, So sit back and enjoy our worst of 2020. Uh, To all uh, the patrons that are joining us live from the Up Next family, as well as post-wrestling, we have worst promotional tactic to kick things off. And I went back to last year's worst of show. And Davey, you chose the ROH Kelly Klein Joey Mercury story as the worst promotional tactic. Braden, <laughs> you said WWE and Saudi Arabia. Okay. Wei Ting selected Corey Graves' tweets directed at Moro Ronaldo. And I chose John Cena mocking the Usos about a DUI. Oh. <laughs> so always nice when worst promotional tactic uh, wields four separate examples uh from the prior year so we will see if we have uh, similar choices this year or ones that are completely different from one another uh, i have spun the wheel and kicking things off is Braden harrington with worst promotional tactic of 2020 uh like johnny gargano i hate wheels uh but it's it's interesting because you mentioned all different ones from last year that all still kind of make sense is 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 it supposed to be something that's drawing you in a promotional tactics so what i come what comes to mind is obviously something that's like not really the elephant in the room but covid hitting the wrestling world and i have kind of a gripe with the wwe of how they kind of pretended like it wasn't a thing 
they kind of pretended like it didn't happen and they never really explained to you why there was no crowd. Like AEW, I felt like there was times they're like, hey, the world's crazy right now, blah, blah, blah. But WWE was like hiding it in a weird way. So I thought that was definitely something that I was like, you're, you're promoting all these different things, but you're still like avoiding and dancing around what is what everyone is going through in the world. So I, I kind of have to say that. But um, if you're if we're talking about selling an actual match, I'm going to have to say it's uh, poking fun at Jeff Hardy's like alcoholism, I guess, because you're trying to sell that he wants to get his revenge against Sheamus. And that's a promo. That's that's making me want to watch them fight. But no, it didn't make me want to watch them fight because I thought it was really tasteless. So I don't know which one it really counts, but those two. <laughs> Solid preparation for breaking the course. It could be this one, but it might be this. And here's yeah, you know I love my mentions. Honorable mentions are going to be hot tonight. Definitely. Shout outs. Davey, your worst prom- promotional tactic of the year. Uh, I've gone, and this this very much bleeds into 2021 as well and could be a thing uh, for the end of this year, but just legends as a whole. Um, WWE's thinking that um, ratings are in the toilet. Well, let's get Hulk Hogan out there. Let's get Goldberg out there. And sure, for for one night, they're going to spike a rating, but long-term, it's it's damaging the product in, in, my, in my mind. And you think back to kind of 97, 98, when Sean was gone, Brett was gone, and you kind of had, you lost your two big stars and they had to pull the trigger on the likes of Triple H, Rock, Austin, Foley, all them. And that created one of the biggest booms in wrestling ever. Whereas last year, just so many times, you had Christian advertise for a match that he was never going to do. Um, you've got Big Show returning every now and then. These these Legends Nights or Raw Reunions. Or, Tatanka. Tatanka. All these, all these Raw Reunions. And it's like, cool, unless you're going to have these old guys come back and each and every week build up to some sort of match that I don't want to see. But if it's ratings you want and that works, cool. But otherwise, it's great. You you broke 2 million. You broke 3 million this week. What's next? And it, it's just a bigger thing with WWE as a whole. It's the, the long-term storytelling, the, the short-term fixes rather than looking at the bigger picture. So legends would be my worst promotional Especially tactic. Especially bringing in legends during a pandemic. These are all old dudes. Yeah. 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 Way, what was your worst promotional tactic this year? Well, I like this one category a lot because I think the word promotional is really open to interpretation. I mean, in essence, anything can be about promotion. Uh, And in this case, the one I have chosen was uh, somebody's promotion of another individual via tweet. My worst promotional tactic this year goes to Chad Lale, a.k.a. Jackson Riker, for his tweet on June 1st. Of 2020, one hour after peaceful demonstrations protesting police brutality outside of the White House, uh, one one hour after those protesters were tear gassed away for a president's photo op, Jackson Riker tweets, thankful for the at POTUS we have. God bless America, built up freedom, forgotten no more. And this began a series of reactions, not just from enraged fans, but from his colleagues. Kevin Owens, the freedom you speak of entitles you to speak your mind all you want. I'm not here to argue that. I just really need to tell you that I think you pushing your shitty wrestling catchphrase as all of this is happening is absolutely fucking pathetic. Ricochet, I get you're a bad guy on TV, and I'm hoping that's all this is. 
even then that ain't but if this is actually your true thoughts i'll be really sad man mustafa ali i'm thankful you posted this because i'm now aware of what you stand for when black brothers and sisters are crying you pray someone that refuses to acknowledge their hurt and you know it's especially bad when even the man's own tag partners disown him this comes from steve cutler who tweeted although i am part of a tag team while i wrestle i am my own person with my own thoughts and beliefs it pains me to see what's going on in the world i fought for the freedom of our country and all of the people who live here it shouldn't matter your race or however you identify we're all human beings and all deserve to be equal hashtag justice for george floyd um so that was my worst promotional tactic of 2020 uh Great choices. I think all all completely uh, justified there. Um, I, I went with uh, – I'm choosing one from the world of MMA and one for pro wrestling. In MMA, Dana White's video against the oh, media. Dana White decided that he was going to sit down and put together a five-minute victory lap for himself without once – thanking his staff without one thank you to the fighters that went through God knows what to prepare for these fights, the coaches that all put their health at risk in order for the UFC to be able to maintain their schedule and uh, put out the number of events that their contract, their television contracts call for. Instead, he spent the entire video pointing the fingers at media, taking so many clips out of context utilizing like complete out of context uh, clips it was um it was just a complete piece of propaganda from Dana White and not a thank you to the people that helped the UFC be able to uh put out their schedule this year there's a lot you can say about the UFC uh when they were done with these pipe dreams of running on uh, unregulated land in the US that they actually did put together a very strong plan to finally come back and put their cards on. But to me, the the handling by Dana White of this pandemic at the beginning was horrible and deserved all the criticism he received at that time. In WWE, uh, this was something that I don't know if it was the very worst thing I saw on WWE programming this, this year, but I thought it was one that I think really fell under the radar. Uh, we noted it when we did our post show that night, and that was during the Hell in a Cell kickoff show, when one of the panelists was Jeff Jarrett, and Elias wandered onto the set and decided to play a song referring to Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett, who he has no affiliation with in a storyline context, referring to both as junkies. This occurring on the three-year anniversary of Jeff Jarrett's sobriety, which I think was just so tasteless that that would be uh, fodder for a comedic line to be thrown in there. And I think in a nutshell, it it tells you about kind of the thought process that something like that is fair game to poke fun at someone over the, their sobriety on their anniversary. So I thought that was disgusting. Uh, those are my two worst promotional tactics of 2020. Wow, poor Jeff Hardy. He gets called a junkie and then he's got to pee in a cup and all sorts of... Listen, wow. it was, it, it's one thing that... Guy, it's one thing about Jeff Hardy that they introduced that into the story, and that was a that was a focus of it. Jeff Jarrett is not an on-air character. The audience is probably not; most are not even aware of his struggles. It was completely just done as, to me, uh, a shot at Jeff Jarrett that was so unnecessary. I I don't even care if it was something that 
whether he knew about or not that the line was coming. I just thought it was so tasteless to go that direction and even suggest such a line, uh, much less carry it out. So we're off to a wonderful start, everybody. It's a taste of uh, what, what your evening is like here. Uh, we move on to worst in-ring series. And this is comprised of, you know, an in-the-ring wrestling show. And as we uh, look up here, worst television show last year, myself and Davey chose NXT UK. Braden and Way chose Raw. So starting things off with worst in-ring series is Way. Well, uh, I'm going to pick from the crop of shows that I watch on a regular basis. And amongst that crop, there is no choice but WWE Raw. As long as this show continues to be the quality that it is, I don't, I'm not even going to say three hours is really the main issue. The main issue, even if this was a two-hour show, I think it would be terrible every single week. It's just the constant, oh man, uh, cookie-cutter types of matches, the cookie-cutter types of finishes, the bad promos, the overly scripted backstage segments. The ridiculous storylines, um, I really do, like, I don't know, I, I often wonder, like, if, 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 like, if there was a batting average for uh, WWE Raw about, like, how many good segments there are versus bad segments, I, I, I don't know if they would be a double-A player. I don't even know if it would be a Little League player. So, it's, um, it's just a bad show. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in right now and say that's my pick as well. Uh, I, I cut out my, my like main roster stuff, but, uh, I do love looking up things. Uh, Twitter's great to watch wrestling and, and, and look at these things. And, and it just, it baffles me just as a wrestling fan that this is supposed to be like the main show of it's the, the longest running wrestling show. It's the, it's the show. It's the show that non-fans know raw. And it's just like, what has happened to this show? And for some strange reason, I thought maybe they would know what to do in a pandemic era. And it showed me that the company that's been around for one year figured out how to do, do all this stuff to make them the cool show. And then Raw's still this like stuck in the past thing that uh, as a, as a wrestling fan, I, I consume so much pro wrestling and I can honestly say that Raw this year was some of the worst, like, ever. Like, low point in wrestling. I know, like, what, early 90s, they say? That was the low point of wrestling. I really think WWE just was not on point. More so just Raw. Like, some of the stuff that, that happened, like, the Raw Underground, Retribution, fucking shark attacks. Like, what the fuck is going on? Are, am I watching, like, some shitty soap opera for men, like they always call it? Because it's so bad. It's, it's laughable bad. I, I was very disappointed. My choice is raw as well, that especially when the pandemic began, you saw them experimenting with a lot of different things. And I think they they were forced into change that addressed a lot of the biggest criticisms of the WWE presentation of the the just the the overly scripted nature of promos, which is going to be good and bad for different performers, depending on who you are. But when we got like the lead up to WrestleMania and a lot of the empty arena promos, I thought that that added a lot. You had things on Raw this year that that did work very well, like Drew McIntyre, the Edge Orton feud, the Hurt Business. Those would all be positives, but I think you have to look at the whole. I, I think The Fiend is naturally going to drag down a show unless you're really into that stuff. Retribution was a complete swing and a miss. Uh, yes, a shark ate a man. And uh, I think that it's the show that, to me, is most consistent with the criticisms that one is going to throw at WWE. I think they... 
building baby faces. It's like Drew McIntyre is the one that we can say, hey, but look at what they did with him. And everyone else has just fallen by the wayside. I think it's a show that is often very tough to get through. The three hours doesn't help, but to Way's point, we've been going through eight years of three-hour Raws. It's not like it's just this new uh, adjustment to the third hour, and it's here to stay. So we can also we can also say quick before is it's the best when you talk about the bad Raws. Everyone knows they want to jump and listen to you right away when it's a really shit Raw. Like as soon as there was a shark attack, everyone was going, "Where's John away?" We got to know what they they think of a shark attack. Like yeah, uh, mine's mine's raw as well. Yeah, clean sweep. Um, there was a time, John, as you mentioned, it's it's crazy that Raw was actually not bad when it was the complete empty arena bit. You had the likes of Zelina Vega, Asuka, uh, the Edge Orton feud that was actually making Raw kind of interesting for a little bit. And then it just went right back to um, all their old tropes. It's This is the the biggest wrestling company in the world with the most amount of money and the most amount of talent. And it's it's just shocking that they're able to produce such a consistently terrible show each and every week um so yeah clean sweep for me raw i just want wrestling that's all i want uh, and they have the talent on raw is crazy like asuka ran 2020 pandemic era and she was a good part of the raw this year but like just so so much bad. well it's it's I, funny because like monitoring the chat room i mean there were two choices that people were debating and one of them was raw the other was aew dark so when you say you you just want wrestling i guess that is the t- complete opposite of a show <laughs> that is just purely wrestling and i, I guess a lot of people not that enjoyable either it's just like raw is the, it's been around for so long it's it has actual names and 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 established characters and stuff where dark has a lot of people that you don't know. dark right? is a free youtube channel for right. enhancement yeah, talent. On USA. Raw is yeah. the the premium wrestling company in the world's flagship show that's the mm. different yeah dark is a struggle and i feel for Cino each and every week <laughs> i wrote i wrote those reports for a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic and that's when the show was clocking in at like 90 minutes which was too long now it's going two and a half Three hours. hours yeah it, it's but at least at least with something like dark you can just dip in and out it's a youtube show it's oh i hear this match was good you can click in raw should be the show that all wrestling fans come together it used to be to that watch. show it used and to be that yeah, it's it's just terrible. It's how literally it the most profitable wrestling show of all time. Yeah, like the name you alone, you're all all your fr- non wrestling friends know that what Raw is on Mondays. That's just a thing that has become. It's football and wrestling, and that's what this show has become. And that's why I think we all hate it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we move on to our next category, and that is most underutilized. And let's start with Davey. I went for Alistair Black. There's absolutely no reason why this guy shouldn't be in main events and he's not even on TV right now. I can only think of two things he did in the last year and that was having his eye taken out or abused or whatever and was just playing Rey Mysterio's kind of number three in that feud. Was he opening doors? And then had had like a two-week feud with Kevin Owens, it seemed, which led to nothing. And then... He Wait, hasn't. He was wearing an since. eye patch. Wouldn't he be number two? Maybe uh, <laughs> number that's, two. That's, that's the Bond. Uh... Yes. Um, <laughs> but power. yeah, th- this guy should be, uh, especially now when you're uh, a raw like last night. I know it's 2021, but when you're like lacking talent, yeah. it should be an Alistair Black stepping up. You're looking for someone to be a 
a random challenger for the title at a B C level pay per view. There's no reason why you can't put Alistair Black in that role. Uh, I always go back to that moment on NXT where he's kicking down the doors. He's stone cold. Uh, black massing everyone. Yeah. That moment, you look at him and you go, this guy's a star. This guy's the future. And he's not even on TV anymore. He's my same pick, uh, honestly. Uh, he has everything that you, you kind of want in, in your wrestling. The dude looks badass, even in an eye patch. He changed his music, which uh, I wouldn't say it's the worst of the theme of the year. But I liked his old, old theme. But he had everything. And in NXT, it was almost like he was becoming like a, a staple there. And then, of course, he gets called up and then for no reason to not actually wrestle. And then I don't know if it was technically 2020 or 2019 where a ref slips up because the, the black mass has never been kicked out of. And then he hits it on someone and the ref fucks mm. up and counts it as a two. And Alistair just death stares him like, bro, you just fucked up my move. That was uh, maybe, it was maybe like Shane Thorne or someone like that, I think. Who's yeah. that? <laughs> uh, I, I think I think that... Um, Alistair Black is someone that instantly looks like a wrestler. He's tattooed. He's scary. He's actually like really. He he kind of hits the 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 people that like the in ring stuff. He has all that. But we we do the NXT show and we always think back of that storyline where he's just busting ass and it's so weird that they haven't just decided to go with this guy as like a killer on Raw. He could he could be ratings. I he's scary. He could be a heel. It's also like where you look at where he was positioned, like when they were looking at who would be Brock's program for Mania, it's like the two candidates were Drew and Alistair Black. And I can't say they made the wrong call. Drew's been great, but you just look at what what a sliding door scenario of where one went versus where the other went over the, the last year. Um, so for that reason, I, I went with Alistair Black as well because it's just been uh, very unfortunate um, where – this year, it's it seems like they've thrown some stuff against the wall, and now he's disappeared and probably gets his latest reset. Uh, there's no shortage in this category. I would say, even though she's prominently featured, I would say this year was a major step back for Rhea Ripley, where she was pre-WrestleMania, and I think just got uh, handled terribly throughout t- 2020 as well. And she looked to be, if, if we go back to the first few months of the year, just seemed like can't miss breakout star. Wait. Definitely, and then yeah, wow. I I, did, I was not expect, expecting a clean sweep for this one because I feel like there are so many other choices. But I also went with Alistair Black, and Whoa. I think that just shows you how much potential we all saw in him, and how much is you know at this point completely unrealized. At one point, this guy was the sidekick to Dominic Mysterio in his feud. So uh, it, it's been a really bad year. The man lost an eye, had a heel turn that really. Um, had little reason for happening. Thrown off a roof. Lost Thrown his off room. a roof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and we haven't heard from him since, unfortunately. So hopefully 2021 might be better. Well, uh, this next category is all about people that we hear from uh, on a weekly basis. It is Worst Broadcaster. Last year, Way and I chose the Raw announced team of Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Renee Young. Braden chose Corey Graves, and Davey selected Jim Ross. Which, two years ago, Davey, do you remember choosing Shadia Bezezo? I do, yeah. <laughs> she sucks. <laughs> Who is that? I don't she, know, but I, I have the last two years here in my uh, documents. Wow. She was on one of the Saudi shows. They signed her. And, I mean, we, we talk about how those backstage interviewers are robots. She she gave robots oh, personality. yeah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was bad. Yeah. So, okay. I'll start this one off. And I, I'll look at this. Like, there are some... Most years, there's always that one person that just just is so 
terrible that it's a, usually an easy pick. I don't know if I've just gotten to a point where it's like this straight line, but I I really don't uh, – of all the different announced teams, I can't say there's anyone that is just that that presence that drives me insane. So I really had to give some thought to this one. Part of me wanted to go with Jerry Lawler just because of the ramen noodle moonsault call this year. <laughs> But you know the one I'm going to go for? Because I think this thing should be represented in some form. I thought he was a fine host. That was Shane McMahon on Raw Underground. The problem was then those fights began and his commentary <laughs> consisted of, Whoa! 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 Get up! And he became every affliction-wearing fan at a UFC event in 2008. <laughs> and he was dreadful because they had him call these fights as a fan uh, ringside. And that, to me, qualifies... As a broadcaster, this thing went on multiple wow. weeks, so I went with Shane McMahon as worst broadcaster. John, do you still have Affliction shirts? No, I don't. Okay, just checking, just checking. John just stole my thunder, because that was my pick as well. <laughs> Shane? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, from wow. Underground. It was like, again, it was difficult for me to like name, it was a difficult pick for me to name a best broadcaster, and I found it to be just as challenging to find a worst broadcaster, because I feel like over the years, knowing what I know about like the WWE system, I've come to develop far more sympathy for its announcers and hosts, who really, to me, are just there to play a role without much autonomy of expression. Um, but Shane, in this role, I feel like did have a good deal of a, a autonomy of expression, and he did not add at all to these matches. He made it sound he he made them sound just goofy and um, amateur, and really dr- drove up the camp value. So I also went with the play-by-play man for Raw Underground, Shane McMahon. Braden, uh, yeah, this one it's like uh, obvious obvious on- honorable mentions have to be here because. Uh, if you listen to to Up Next every week, when we talk about NXT, we lost Moro Ronaldo this year. And I know uh, we're big fans of Moro, but I know Moro wasn't everyone's cup of tea. But then entered Wade Barrett, and I, I think Wade Barrett has somewhat kind of jumped into this role, and he's he's picking up things. He's learning. He clearly didn't watch the show as much before, but he's he's learning, and his calls are being really good. However, his 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 partner in crime, who who's there because Beth is at home, and Beth will be Beth, but Vic Joseph is an honorable mention here because I've watched wrestling for a long time, sure. But if you watch NXT for like three weeks, you should know people's finishing moves because they do it three times in a match. And he still doesn't know the names of moves. And I know that's just a really nerdy nitpick, but the dude's been on commentary for a long time now. No one's given him notes. No one's told him what a powerbomb is and stuff. And obviously you can say Michael Cole doesn't know what a powerbomb or a pile driver is. And it's total nitpicking. But I wouldn't say he's the worst because he's still like a, a likable guy. But he just doesn't like seem to know wrestling moves. But I, mine comes from actually that, that actually, this is my actual pick. Uh, just recently in the past, I don't know, months or so. Uh, Impact Wrestling got a little bit of a shine. Kenny Omega shows up and all of a sudden everyone's watching, including me. And I tuned in and I was like, ah, the show isn't really still for me. But I think it was because of the commentary. I really do not like what Josh Matthews is doing in Impact Wrestling. Uh, I think I used to be a big fan of him in WWE. I thought he kind of could have gone into a bigger role. Everything he's doing right now, and I think it's him and Madison Rain who are the commentary team. I, I, I can't w- listen. Like I can't imagine watching this show if they're the commentary team because they sound like they don't give a shit. 
and it sounds so like fake and phoned in. I, that's just me. And this is only now watching like a little bit, but I'm like, how is how is that the commentary team? It's very strange, but that's my pick. Sorry, I I, I want him to get better, but not good. Davey, uh, are you going different or adding on to any of these previous picks? I'm I'm unfortunately sticking with my pick from last year oh. uh, with Jr. And I feel bad for picking him. I I read his book, which is fantastic and i know how much this guy loves the business and with everything he's gone through he he still wants to kind of give back and keep busy but there's there's just so many things each and every week that when he's motivated when he sounds like he's into it he's still one of the best one of the best there is and that's kind of why i'm picking him because he's done it for so long he should still be that good Whereas these other guys who are kind of up and coming, it's like I can sort of forgive a Vic Joseph for, for getting a move here and there. JR, it's it's the constant kind of belittling of Excalibur that does my head in every week. It's so Excalibur will call a move and JR will make fun of him for knowing the kind of Japanese or the, the Mexican name for the move. And it's every week he does these slight little digs and it feels like, well, JR, because you're not as up to date with the product anymore it's kind of an insecurity that's coming out i feel and it it makes it quite awkward to watch and i pointed it out to brayden before and then once you kind of clock it you notice it all the time i, I mentioned he's like uh, the rapper the game always name drops people kind of for no reason in his songs and jr just likes to be like hey that guy's that guy's play football. And I, it's just like uh, I don't know anything about this guy, but he looks like Edge, so I'm going to talk about Adam Copeland for the next three minutes. And that that's kind of what his shtick has been recently. Obviously, he's had a few slip ups as well with kind of horny on main. Yeah, like uh, jokes that don't quite land. And I, I'm going for him because he he is the in my mind the greatest of all time when it comes to wrestling commentary. And it's just sad to see him not be that still each and every week so jr for me oh boy i, I still fucking and i love JR. the rest of the team i think taz is great excalibur's great tony's great even ricky starks when he hops on on dark is pretty good it's it's just jr there's something every single week where i kind of cringe listening to him awesome. the next category is worst character so or worst gimmick last year way and i chose shorty g davy you picked emmy sakura and Braden chose the librarians. Uh, so we will see if we get a whole new slate of, uh, of worst gimmicks. Uh, Braden, why don't you start this one off? Okay. Uh, honorable mention, cancel culture from Impact Wrestling. Uh, this one's tough because I definitely want to talk about them later on. Uh, but Retribution obviously comes to mind. Um, I'm sorry, but I still think Retribution is a work that they're working us. That it's all like a giant rim, and it's like, ah, oh, we were joking. This is, you fell for this. That's, I still think that's what's happening. But uh, I was pretty positive on the Best of Show with AEW, but I can admit that AEW does some things that I don't like. And something I don't like this year is Miro and Kip Sabian with their their gamer gimmick of how they're raging when the load screen's on and they're the best he's the best man and yeah you wear really expensive clothes but I don't quite understand the character so. Is it odd that I think of you two when I see those two? <laughs> <laughs> he's Kip obviously, right? Oh god. Yeah, yeah. Um I I got to get some of the Miro fits. I'm slowly growing on the Miro fit, but the character was I wasn't expecting that when he came in and it's like, yeah, he's got to do something, but 
it's literally some of the worst stuff that I've seen. Like it literally makes me get up and leave the room. I don't, I don't care about any of it. And his matches, he's shown some cool things, but the gimmick here of this, this gamer, and it all started from like the, the, the arcade game broke. And I'm like, yeah, cool. They're expensive. I get it. But to, your character is just a rage gamer. It's, it's really stupid. He, he went from like being the hottest name of that crop of releases to, you know, coming into the hottest company, arguably right now in the industry. And, completely being flat you know talking about him uh, several months later so uh to me it's exactly due to that gimmick so i think i don't think they really haven't tapped into everything that worked for him during the whole rusev day run like here's a guy that's a genuinely entertaining personality but i don't think you would get any of that just watching the show every week it's a very odd pairing with the two of them and to me it's you know it's been given time it's not like this is just you know wait and see where this goes it's been several months now and it just seems to be a very uh, he's just another guy on, on the show and I, I wouldn't be bringing in people that are just going to be other guys and i think everyone does see that that higher potential level i he's honestly gonna, yeah. preferred him in the lana lashley story and that's saying <laughs> something because i didn't like that but at least there i was like yeah i want to see this guy kick his ass i just don't want to see him now yeah like his clothes, uh, though. I will go next because uh, an honorable mention, trademark Braden Harrington, uh, to Master Watto. Okay, this thing's <laughs> awful. This is a terrible, terrible character. And I I watch like Yuya Yuimura, and the best thing will be that this guy doesn't have to go on an excursion and become God knows what uh, to come back as. Because this, this guy, is he's a very good wrestler, but this gimmick is utter death for him. Uh, but it did not claim my choice for worst gimmick this year because that... Also went to AEW, but not for Miro and Kip Sabian. No, I am bestow- be bestowing my award on the Nightmare Collective. Oh. Consisting of Brandy Rhodes, Luther, Awesome Kong, and Mel. This thing was a disaster. It was completely, to me, it was not learning from all the things in 2019 that went wrong with the Dark Order. This was like doubling down on a group that to me didn't have much direction. The vignettes were just all over the place. And uh, there were segments where, I mean, Brandy was on commentary. I remember for one segment and it was just a mess and it ended where they literally just dropped this. And Brandy like went on with Brian Alvarez and just pretty much explained this did not work. We're moving (laughs) on. So, Hey, credit to them that they, they spotted this and just uh, deep sixed it, but it was just bad from the get go. Um, did not work, and it was it was definitely a miss on AEW's part this year. Uh, Davey? Um, I went for a very obvious choice here, The Fiend. Um, s- still think that entrance is cool, but it just, it doesn't translate to wrestling, and maybe he's been kind of lucky this year that he's been able to do these cinematic matches, but it's, I can never see what the, I can never see a payoff. I can never see how this is going to last because you either have him as this unkillable monster who then will rise from the dead or you Goldberg him. And it's, it it just doesn't work for me at all. I, I'm never too interested in his matches. Um, Yeah. It's what is the gimmick now? Realistically, it's gone from like, he came out with a new mask. It's not that SummerSlam and the entrance was amazing. And then it's like, what is the gimmick now? He's got like the, the playhouse He's got Maybe Alexa. Murderer. He's a murderer. Yeah. He's been murdered too. I mean, I don't know. Poor and it guy. just drags down everyone who's paired with him. I feel sorry for because they've then got to play to this 
this gimmick and it's uh, it's just purgatory I, I can't see you ever getting anywhere from it um it's very frustrating to watch and and honestly i think raw suffered when they got the fiend i i definitely do think it's dragged down whereas smackdown is thriving now i think smackdown's some weeks it's better than nxt and i i like nxt but i find smackdown a very enjoyable show to watch and it it kind of kicked into gear as soon as the fiend left well think about like the summer like when reigns came back like had they gone that direction with reigns and the fiend uh which at one point was going to be wrestlemania last year uh Thank God they were on different shows because I think that greatly affects this Roman Reigns character if he was doing all the hocus pocus shit with the fiend. Uh, Way your choice for worst gimmick. Uh, this year I went with Eric Rowan and his caged animal. <laughs> was that uh, this year? Caged this was, animal. <laughs> you know, much of it took place last year, but it bled and completely revealed yeah. itself by, uh, by this year. Um, it was just, I think weeks and weeks on end of them, you know, having Eric Rowan walk out with this cage and I'm pretty sure they didn't know what was supposed to be in this cage. He was supposed to be a man with a cage. People had to sell for it. At one point, somebody like it drew blood from somebody sticking their hand in it. Uh, at one point somebody crushed it. And, uh, I guess in the end it was revealed to be a giant tarantula (laughs) that could hold a camera too because we got the point of view of the animal as well it's like a spider from these halloween stores though like yeah Yeah. so uh you know didn't really work out i'm stunned no one picked retribution i only didn't choose them because i yeah everyone else would choose it like was this i I feel like they will come up later yeah well there you go spread the love worst on the mic last year we had Way choose Dana Brooke, Braden went with Lana, I had Ricochet, and Davey picked Kenny Omega. So <laughs> I will kick things off because, in the immortal words, I will not join Retribution, but I will be the <laughs> back-to-back John Pollock selection, Rico Shea. <laughs> Just oh, man. Uh, listen, a man that does not need a microphone should not be handed a microphone. They seem to have uh, no inhibition about giving him such a microphone. Him and and especially WWE style promos uh, do not mix at all. Um, I, I think even when you watch the 365 on him, I mean, this guy is not the most like his charisma is very much. He's got a physical charisma and in ring, he's breathtaking to watch. They have really taken away all of his positives and focused more on, you know, just aspects like this, which I don't think should be the, you know, hide your weaknesses and they, they don't with him. And uh, he, to me is just, just puzzling question mark of what they have done uh, with this character that I think could be uh, of vital importance to them and a key, but has been anything but, this past year. So that is my choice for worst on the mic two years in a row way. Uh, you know, I think that's a fine choice. Uh, I went with Matt Riddle. I'm sorry, Riddle and Mr. Bronuts himself. Um, I don't know how great of a promo he was to begin with, but I think he was at least inoffensive to me that changed with his call up to the main roster and the character that they've now given him as, you know, surfer dude. Um, but like 20 years late, 30 years late, uh, if he was supposed to be heel, I think it might even work out a little. But the fact that he's supposed to be a baby face, I, I, I really just can't stand a lot of these segments anymore. 
So that is my pick for worst. I will worst uh, on the add mic. to that way uh, as as the stoner of the post wrestling universe. Uh, we we don't claim him as one of our own. Like it's not yeah. working for us. That's how you know it's not working. You're definitely right. Like it's it's supposed to be like I smoke weed and I'm dumb and make jokes. It's like well, it actually it's actually not doing what it. it it's supposed to be doing it's not clicking and i and it's not just me that thinks that but i know what they're trying to go for this this whole bro thing and it's it it doesn't seem to work i liked i liked one thing and it was in nxt and uh it's how much fish could bobby fish fry but even that like it's funny but it's really silly could could you call that worst worst bromo (laughs) (laughs) you can call it that what was your official pick uh sorry my pick though um Honorable mention to Ember Moon, obviously, uh, just lately on NXT. She came back to NXT, didn't work on her promo. Uh, but I'm going to go, uh, John, you you went for the same person you went for last year, and I'm doing the exact same thing. Uh, I cannot stand Lana. Lana, Lana, Lana. I can't stand her. Um, I know she's technically not the actual worst talker. When she, What she's trying to say is she, she comes into her own character but I, I don't care. Absolute zero percent care about any storyline she's been involved with. Um, the storyline with her going through the tables, I don't care. But whenever she talks, I am most 100 percent leaving or putting it on mute at, at least. But I, I can't I cannot stand her. Sorry. Um, Is it a, a repeat for you or somebody new? No, no, Kenny. Kenny worked on it. Kenny worked on it. He's. I he think. I think he's gonna go far. That kid, that Kenny Omega. Up I see coming. potential. He's worked hard on his promo. <laughs> um, I'm. There's a great shout out in the room from Dan Reed. Alicia Edwards on Impact is horrible to watch on the mic. But I'm going with uh, same as you, John Ricochet. Um, this is a guy that when he went to NXT didn't necessarily need to work on his wrestling, but clearly did not take advantage of promo class and all that because he's terrible and he's he's to the point now where i don't care it doesn't excite if he were to leave uh, wwe and move to aew i don't care i i'm past it there's plenty of wrestlers out there that can do flashy stuff in the ring um you shouldn't be as bad as you are you need to take it upon yourself to to continuously practice promos get an acting tutor if you need one if you know it's your low point and i feel we've been saying this for as long as he's been in wwe now including nxt it's it's embarrassing he seems like such a dork i don't want to watch him win because it doesn't seem like he cares if he wins or not um i think he's terrible he's it's weird park here would be uh, in the form of baby (laughs) he does double moons and like cool moves and like the whole superhero gimmick could work, but then he he talks and you're like, ah. Oh. But like twenty twenty one, I can watch other plenty. people do a double moon. You know, like it's so many so many people do his flashy ring style now that you need to offer something else. I I understand what you're saying. I like Ricochet to me is like an elite level performer, like to the point of like a Ray Phoenix equivalent. And you know what his low point is? Don't highlight that fact like i believe that if he were elsewhere i think he would be a significant part like i don't think he would just be uh, another guy and i look at wwe right now i would say even in nxt he would be greatly uh utilized more so but it's definitely a deficiency uh, of his game that they continue to focus on give this guy a mouthpiece or don't hand him a microphone like it's i'm to your point i understand like you 
would want this guy to better himself. At the same time, these promos he gets are typically 30 seconds backstage or in you know response with like some lame joke that he's given. It's just a very poor utilization that I think has just dragged his stock down so significantly when you look at you know, where that guy was at the New Orleans takeover. And it was like, man, they this was a huge signing that they had. And now he's just he's just another geek on Raw, which is astounding to me. So there we go. That's the uh, the finality of Ricochet. Worst event of 2020. Last year, uh, Braden and I chose TLC. Way you picked Hell in a Cell, and Davey had Super Showdown as the picks. <laughs> uh, for this year, uh, I will kick this one off because I chose Super Showdown 2020. <laughs> this was February the 27th uh, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Some of the highlights we got were the unbelievably awful, awful gauntlet match that saw R-Truth pin Bobby Lashley, pin Andrade, beat Eric Rowan, and then it was AJ Styles who had a dance-off before pinning this guy in two minutes, and all this to set up The Undertaker showing up and chokeslamming AJ and pinning him in 20 seconds. That was absolutely brutal. The crowd was dead for the rest of this show. Uh, they didn't get into anything beyond this. Even Mansoor uh, and Dolph Ziggler, they were indifferent to. Then we finally got into the big stuff, which was Brock Lesnar murdering Ricochet in less than 90 seconds. Palette cleanser time. A cage match with Reigns and Corbin. And then the main event, two minutes and 57 seconds, The Fiend drops the title to Bill Goldberg. This, it was the greatest argument that having crowds does not ensure a good show. Because this was god-awful back in February. A terrible, terrible show. Yeah, I already, I already, I have this one. This, how do you, how do you, this was a show that they put on in a huge stadium. There was a lot of people there. This show is so fucking bad. And this is the show that, like caused so much controversy last year with the whole like think of the world before covid and stuff it seems like years ago but the thing where we we don't know why our favorite wwe wrestlers were stuck somewhere and that whole drama was it not because of this show like this was the show that they were over there for no 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 that was a was Was it a different one? one in 2019 oh okay okay sorry yeah my oh right my mistake yeah before the end of the year there but this this just this show was terrible. How did you have Goldberg come in and I, I don't like the fiend, but you had this guy crush the character you've been like working. On. It's just none of it made sense. Uh, so so terrible. Uh, let's go to Braden. Or sorry, Davy. Yeah, uh, same as you guys, yeah. and same as last year for me. Apparently, <laughs> it's Super Showdown. Um, yeah, I mean, John, I think I think you've pretty much yeah. said it all. The two of you. Uh, just bad and I do think as much as Raw's been terrible I think WWE has had a great streak this year of pay-per-views I've actually quite enjoyed their main roster pay-per-views this year uh this was definitely not one of them um yeah I you guys have said it all we had Mansoor though yeah and they didn't even care about him it was so bad this show (laughs) way any different no it's a clean sweep uh you know in (laughs) fact I I had the two lake trophy battle role as like a leading candidate for worst match of the year for quite some time um and you know that terrible jackhammer from goldberg to cap it off at the end of, end of the night just uh it was it was a really bad show undertaker holding his hat whilst delivering a choke slam to it's, aj that, yeah. and it's like that's how you're building up your wrestlemania match just by having undertaker up. 
squash an AJ not even with his finishing move. That's how you're setting up your big your big match. Terrible. Yeah, it was just all bad. We go on to worst angle. And uh, last year, Braden, you chose Mike and Maria Canellis. Way also chose Mike and Maria Canellis. I went with the brand split. And Davey, for worst angle, chose Eric Angle. Yeah, he had a bad year. <laughs> worst angle, Eric. <laughs> Davey, you had the most clever response last year, so why don't you start off this year? Worst angle of 2020. Um. Yeah, so worst angle, I'm thinking of like a, a segment or something like that. <laughs> um, I went for Braun being scared of his mask. Oh, There was this <laughs> okay. this setup for uh, one of the Braun-Bray Wyatt matches, whether it was the, the Swamp Match of Hell or yeah. whatever it is, or their other one. Um, but this segment where you see Braun Strowman trying to act scared because... He's been given a present of his black sheep mask. Just terrible acting, terrible writing, with a terrible character um, leading to a terrible match. And Braun pissed me off this year as well for other reasons, so I, I needed to vote him in something. We, so. we, de- we should have done worse social media yeah. this year because there would be no shortage of some of what the... Is- uh, what did Bron, Bron just hates anyone who was Bron in... was like why don't you get a job get a real job get a real job sorry Bron you lost not, your job get a real job not everyone can be seven feet and yeah all of a sudden still can't wrestle but Wait, uh, what was your uh, worst angle well um yeah I think I'm gonna break the rules for this one cause I think I got my pick in like before this before I realized it was basically on the December the 30th of 2019 so we'll, we'll let it slide my pick for worst angle was the Lana and Lashley wedding. Oh. Uh, one also, you know, one that capped off this uh, terrible storyline, of course, of um, Lana divorcing Rusev in order to go with Bobby Lashley. And, of course, this also featured Liv Morgan arriving as Lana's former lover in an angle that went completely nowhere. Uh, poor Lana's makeup was all messed up from making it with Lashley as well, I guess. Um, so... I suppose a year in, it still left a, a, a real mark in my mind. That's so you funny thought, you mentioned that. <laughs> you would have thought these three like pulled off like Les Miserables with Paul Heyman's reaction on that uh, Liv Morgan uh, special. <laughs> he was like so happy after this wedding segment that, I mean, went absolutely nowhere for Liv Morgan, who felt like, man, she just got the runaround in this whole thing, that they had this this brilliant idea that she's going to show up and address Lana and God, just uh, terrible, terrible. It's actually kind of I, I actually it's weird because that technically was 2019. It right? was the Monday after we recorded. So yeah, the worst it's, of last that's year. That's why it's in our cycle. It's in our yeah, cycle. That's what I mean. Okay. It's interesting because we all didn't get to talk about it last year, and I remember all the listeners were like, "Hey, you didn't mention that." It's like, well, it's weird because it doesn't count. So a year in the making, Way has still chosen this, but <laughs> I, I I remember like that's kind of offensive. There's the whole uh, Sonya Deville who has made it known that she's like pushed for certain angles and and things from her personal life like into storylines. LGBTQ yeah, representation, yeah. and then they come and do this. Like it is, a- it was actually kind of offensive, uh, and I, I I absolutely forgot that it technically doesn't count, but uh, that is. That is one of the worst things that's ever happened in wrestling, honestly. Um, I'm, I, honestly, let's be honest. It is so bad that AEW has been promoting a wedding to make, to make fun of it for so long that obviously, like, an Aiden English or whoever else 
uh, will show up to try to mock it or something because it was that bad. It, it was it was just gross. Um, but I'm going to jump in and, and, and let's get this out of the way. We, we've gone in too deep and too long of a worst of show to not actually talk about Retribution. So can we talk about Retribution? Because that gimmick is so stupid, so ridiculous. I, like I mentioned, I, I couldn't believe that it, is, it was something that they were actually trying to do. Is it supposed to be Antifa or something? Who knows? But it's dudes with paper plates as masks. They're, they got chainsaws, but they're not doing anything with it. It's so fucking embarrassing to be a wrestling fan when you have shit like this that is considered pro wrestling. I, it's so bad. I think it's, I, I just said the wedding is one of the worst things, but I genuinely think this retribution thing. You, you, you ruined all these wrestlers. Jack. you had Mia Yim, you had Shane Thorne. Shane Thorne is the guy with paper plate on his yeah. face, right? Slapjack? Isn't that mean something dirty anyways? I looked it up on Urban Dictionary. The names, so are the, fuck- the, the names are the kicker, man. Like it was what are the names? What are with? the names? Slapjack? Reckoning. T- T-Bar. Butt yeah. stuff? What is there? <laughs> I don't even know what there is. It's so ridiculous. Like, how would... I don't know who they... Are, are they just trying to attract, like, the 10-year-old kids? Is that what this angle was supposed to... Like, I don't understand. I know wrestling is for kids and shit, but this... Was literally some of the worst stuff ever, and it dra- it's is it still going on? Is it still happening? I know yes. um, Ali has joined, and they tried to. He's uh, he's good, but like how is, I, it baffles me. And some of my favorite things were you guys just like scratching your heads, like what 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 is going on? Because I actually didn't think it was real. I, I I still don't. I think they're gonna be like, we got you. We were testing you. And you all failed because it's that it's actually that bad. Uh, Mercedes Martinez, she was like, "Nah, fam, I'm going back to NXT. I'll I'll have some matches and be a trainer. Fuck that!" And got the hell out. But um, it's too late for me, Yim, because no matter where she goes now, people are gonna be like, "Yo, remember when you twitched and did all that stupid elect? What did she get shocked? Spiders what falling she- over? Or was something? it Eric Rowan spider? What was, what was no, going was on with weird. that? Yeah, just all in all, that is some of the worst shit. Uh, honestly, retribution. Sucks. Well, since I'm last, I'm going to throw in a few honorable mentions here. Uh, the hit and run attack on Elias. Uh, that the <laughs> suspect is still at large. Uh, the maybe worst turn of a of a partner on his uh, on his tag team a partner that being Tucker turning on Otis and Otis being so upset he never once cared about this after the fact. <laughs> but um, you know. Many thought that that Lashley, Lana, Rusev wedding uh, died a death. Uh, But this one, they actually uh, leaned in on that theme. I am going with who shot Johnny Bravo on Impact Wrestling this past year, where the culmination of Johnny Bravo's wedding to Rosemary ended with the lights going out and Johnny Bravo was shot. It was an absolutely ludicrous scene. uh, And this is where Impact decided to take it. A bunch of... Stupid comedy sketches with Tommy Dreamer dressed as Sherlock Holmes searching for the attempted murderer, finding out that it was Larry Dallas. So this was his turn. Attempted murder is a heel turn. And then it built up to a match. Tommy Dreamer versus Larry D, where if Larry D won, he would avoid all charges for the attempted murder of Johnny Bravo. (laughs) He won, so he avoided prison time. That was our payoff to who shot Johnny Bravo. An absolutely horrible, 
horrible storyline this year. <laughs> the wedding was great, though. Take away everything after What's that. What's with I weddings and wedding. wrestling? What's going on? That still sounds better than Retribution, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. I don't know, man. That sounds lit. <laughs> Worst feud of the year. Last year, I went with Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. That was Braden's pick as well. Way mm. was very consistent. He chose Bobby Lashley and Lana versus Rusev. And Davey, you picked the mixed tag combo of Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey oh, yeah, Evans. That's bad. Yes, that uh, feuded throughout the summer of 2019. Uh, this year, uh, let's start off with Way for Worst Feud. Viking Raiders versus Street Profits. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll get maybe a bit more into some of the, the specifics later, but uh, this category, I think, deserves uh, to be, you know, spotlighting their endless weeks of awful, 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 awful vignettes uh, with terrible punchlines, just... Uh, they actually had a decathlon of endless sporting matches that all ended up with just uh, terrible results, terrible TV time, terrible entertainment, a lot of jokes about turkey legs. I would tell you that I would have gone back and re- researched it, uh, but I I definitely didn't do that. So I'm digging a lot of this out of my very, very repressed memory of the feud. Uh, you're just going to have to take my word for it. It was, it was awful. <laughs> Uh, let's go with Davey. Um, I went the feud uh, for the feud between Lana and Nia Jax. This was built up over weeks and weeks. I think it was nine weeks in total where Lana was put through a table. And you're waiting for... Look, I, I'm i not a fan of either either performer, personally. But you you go at the story. You look at the story and you have this girl being bullied every week. So how you should write a story is that girl ends up getting her own back on the bully. Instead, you're building up to this big tag at the pay-per-view and the culmination of this story is let's just write Lana off TV, have Charlotte Flair return, win the titles, and we never talk about Lana again. What was the point of this? This was built up for so, so long. And all I all it needed to be is Lana push Nia off of a turnbuckle and she falls through a table or something and she has a big moment. Instead, they had a accidentally win Survivor Series by just never being tagged in and actually made her look even more foolish and even more pathetic. And then they just write her off TV and have Charlotte Flair return and win the tag titles. It made zero sense to me and was just bad, very bad. Uh, I'll go next, and this isn't my pick, but in terms of, like, what was, like, a major, major push, and one that I think really didn't hit, uh, was Tetsuya Naito and Evil. Like, Evil was, a ma- like, the biggest project, I would argue, of 2020 to get him into that top-end mix. And I'm not saying he never makes it there, but he certainly didn't this year. And I thought their matches, uh, they really didn't... It was just the way over-the-top... Naito style main event where you go 35 minutes. These two were not, they should not have been going that long. And the evil main event push, it didn't work. It just did not work in, in this particular year. So that's an honorable mention. Um, I definitely have the, the profits and Viking Raiders down here. Um, but yeah, I did go with Lana versus Nia Jax. I mean, this was like, th- there, there was no uh, sympathy behind Lana and To those that would say, well, is Lana really going to be a sympathetic character? I would argue that when they finally did that chronicle on her, 
Like, yes, there is a way that the Lana character could work, but you watch Raw and you're totally divorced of that. And I don't think you should have to rely on your your digital team to really give depth to a lot of these characters. And the fact that they could do that with Lana, I think is proof positive of the fact that all of these performers have interesting stories and you can go a lot further than just the, the one dimensional, uh, I will not join retribution. Like that's they're left with punchlines on the show. And that's what Lana and Nia Jax was. It was like the table spot was our, ad nauseum every single week and it went there was no rooting for lana it was a really lame payoff and then boom she was abruptly thrust out of this story and replaced by charlotte so that was my worst feud of 2020 brayden cap things off yeah i mean you mentioned evil that i'm not the biggest naito fan but the story that he had was like all right it's a we're going into a pandemic like let's maybe it, it was tough what to do but that's what they chose to do making evil like turn on him and then become double champion. And I know it's wrestling. And when they get you heated as a fan, they're probably doing a good job, but it wasn't, it was that like X-Pac Baron Corbin heat where I'm like, no, this is totally not right. I don't like this at all. And it made me like genuinely upset that I wasn't getting what I want. It didn't feel like new Japan. It felt like WWE, which was really weird. Um, I, I, I had all th- literally all the only feuds that stuck out that were bad was Definitely the Viking Raiders. And I'd say that one hurts more considering how fucking awesome War Machine was on the indies and in NXT. And then a year later, they're playing basketball. And uh, sorry, is one of their names Eric? Because they only have one name, right? Yeah. Uh, they're they're like hitting on people. It, it's weird. Uh, I'm, I'm torn between between those two, honestly. But I'll, I'll go with Naito and, and Evil. Okay. The next one is a new one to reflect 2020's contributions. That is worst cinematic match. Uh, we talked on the best of show about the best presentations. Uh, what were some of the worst? Braden. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but there's, there's a few that stick out and I'll, I'll give you one from WWE and it's the fiend versus Bray. Sorry, I guess it's Bray Wyatt, but Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman in the swamp ass match. Uh, such a tear. I feel like me and you, could Davey could film something better than that. And we did not go to school for, for filming videos, but it felt like they got people who know nothing about wrestling to do it. Uh, on the best of show, I praised the Boneyard match. Was it silly and ridiculous? Yeah, but it was so much fun and it, it just worked. This was the complete opposite. It's so ridiculous. I've watched it twice. I watched it when we, I guess when it happened. And just like a few weeks ago, I had to, I had to be sure. Is it, was it that bad? Because I want to go over to AEW but it technically isn't really a cinematch. The dentist uh, chair thing? No, it's absolutely a cinematic match, and it's my pick as well. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> then I'll, I'll stay I'll stay on course with the swap match, because the swap match, it's it's wrestling, and you go, okay, what stupid shit are they going to do? Okay, it's Bray Wyatt's character who used to be, like, the swamp guy. Okay, Louis, yeah, that could, that, that could be something that works, especially after watching him and John Cena in the, the weird WrestleMania Funhouse one. But it's... It just showed that Braun Strowman is is like not a good actor, and it didn't work at all. It's it's almost to the point where it's not laughable. It was just really it's like a really C level shitty college horror movie, but with wrestlers, it's really shit. I I love me some shitty horror movies, but I've seen a lot better ones than this. It's it was really bad. It's definitely one of the worst 
things in general, but worst tenant match for me. I do have that written down, but I went with the tooth and nail match. I mean, not not your traditional, like, over-the-top, elaborate cinematic match we got this year, but I thought it was it was an attempt at doing that. Like, that's kind of how they sold you on this thing. And I thought, to me, it's especially from the company that did the stadium stampede, it's – I wasn't expecting that, but – you know, there's an expectation level. By the time they did this in August, you've seen a lot of examples of these. They did this on-location match at the dentist's uh, office where it ended up on the pregame show. It was just really poorly shot. It was just cringeworthy to watch and ended with, with what, Big Swole, like, shooting her up with a syringe. Um, it was terrible. Like, it was, it was really brutal. Um, so that was... I didn't put it as my worst match of the year, so it qualified in this category for me. Uh, Way, what was the worst cinematic match? Well, uh, you know, I want to give an honorable shout-out. Sticking with AEW2, the elite deletion between Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. It was a match considering, you know, we're talking about the originator of the cinematic match in Matt Hardy. The first time that he was going to bring this gimmick to AEW, I think, especially coming off of uh, the stadium stampede, everybody was expecting this one to be... Of that quality, and it was really anything but. I think it was even worse than some of the WWE ones that he put out. Uh, just an endless kind of like, um, I don't know, uh, just series of, of of moves here and there. Nothing all that clever about it. No real kind of, you know, significant cameos to speak of. Uh, so that is an honorable mention. But my worst cinematic match this year has to go to the Prophets versus the Viking Raiders from WWE Backlash. If the feud was a series of singles throughout the month. This was a compilation of their greatest hits. It featured golf clubs, featured bowling balls, had a dream sequence about turkey legs with no meaning whatsoever. And of course, you know, this match will forever be remembered as the debut of Akira Tozawa as a ninja. Akira Tozawa, who now suddenly only speaks Japanese and plays, man, about the most... It, yes, it's camp. Yes, it's supposed to be funny. This entire thing is. The problem is it was not funny at all. That was the biggest problem with it. I, I'm all for camp. I'm all for, like, please make me laugh. But this was making me depressed. So um, it ended this match with a team-up of uh, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits into the Viking Profits. And, of course, some like an alligator in, in a dumpster or something like that. Again, I didn't go back and rewatch this. Sorry to disappoint you all. You have to really take my word for it. I'm not sitting through that shit again. <laughs> uh, well, there we go. Uh, Davey, your worst cinematic match. Um, you know, it, it could have been the Elite Deletion, but I can't vote a worst match that contains Gangrel. Gangrel saved that for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but true. I also went with the Street Profits versus Viking Raiders. It also, because this wasn't anything that was... It wasn't announced it was going to be a specific kind of like cinematic match beforehand. It didn't have a weird name going in that go, oh, maybe this is cinematic. And it just signified to me, oh, this is what we're doing now. Every single pay-per-view now, we need to have one of these matches. And just the wrong characters for it, badly done, bad comedy. Uh, Honourable mention to Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream though, in that oh. parking lot match. Uh, that was on a takeover as well, which... Um, that was terrible. Hey, and and look, Johnny Gargano and Champa, two of the best wrestlers in the world. I think Johnny is is one of the top. But that final beat wasn't really good either. And that was the, one of the first cinema matches yep. they did because take it was right when the pandemic and the takeover was ruined. But wow, there's a few that kind of sucked. But yeah, Money wait, I, I'm with you. Money in the bank, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was fucking shit. 
That was so bad. The only funny thing in that was Vince McMahon with the hand sanitizer and Stephanie editing herself in when she wasn't even in the fucking building because she's like, I'm not getting COVID. You guys go. Yeah, that was terrible. Up next, we have worst promotion. Last year, it was a clean sweep. All of us chose Ring of Honor. They were, at, they were at a low point last year. I don't know if anyone's going to be choosing Ring of what, Honor. What was uh, going on year. with Ring of Honor last year? Oh, they Holy had a bad shit. 2019. What was going on? <laughs> they, I mean, they lost so much talent. It was, uh, it was, it was not a great year for them in 2019. Uh, oh, this year, uh, I'm curious everyone's choices. Let's start with Way. My pick is going to be the WWE. Um, I feel like this year it's... You know, they are the promotion who was the most active, not having taken a break. But, you know, they weren't the only promotion who didn't take a break. Yet, I think um, seeing the in-ring product, first of all, uh, and again, that batting average is not very good. But also, knowing a lot of what was going on behind the scenes, the fact that they were continuing to run shows and not even testing properly their talent ahead of time. Um, the rest of the year itself, you know, letting, letting go its talent, uh, in the midst of record pro- breaking profits, um, the whole third party, tw- uh, uh, ban that, that really came out at the end of the year, just a, a real litany of, I think things that we t- don't really associate with any other companies in terms of controversy. So they are my worst promotion of 2020. Yeah, I, I have a hard time with this one because um i think that like worst promotion it feels very weird to name a company that i mean they're by leaps and bounds uh the most successful company uh, of all time this year with with what they made but i think to way's point i think you look at this particular category of what when when you had a a worldwide pandemic to uh, assess and how you went about it like what what actions d- did you take? And their choice was to soldier through without testing, uh, creating lots of problems uh, when other sports stopped. It wasn't the case of, well, it was so early in the pandemic. We just didn't know. Everyone knew. Everyone knew the dangers of this. And the fact is, it, it really shines a light on the fact that you were able to push through because your performers are are not formed through an association or a union, whereas other sports, they have to have these uh, negotiations with players associations for a safe way to get back to play. There is a negotiation process that goes on there. And I think that this year you just saw so many of these incidents where, yes, the WWE will have their most successfully financial year of all time. But I think there's plenty to gloss over from this past year um, that really, you know, it tells the audience kind of, where these performers get, get treated, uh, actions that are taken. I think that it's just a year where you got to see the worst of the WWE as well in terms of how they went about in this pandemic, especially at the beginning. Uh, so that's my pick. I do give an honorable mention to you know the company that I think a year ago people were very high on and there was a lot of buzz towards because it was so different. And today, I think it's very different, and that's the NWA. Um Will they come back? I mean, it sounds like at some point they will, but they got completely stopped with, with the pandemic and everything. And I think that when they do come back, I don't know if you're going to find that same demand for that product. It seems like the AEW has kind of opened up this pipeline to, to utilize talent that was associated and, and showcased on power. But I I don't know if they come back with 
at the best of times, they had a model that was not sustainable long-term of just being on YouTube. So I've got to say from January 1st to December 31st, like they, to me, took the most steps back during the year. Mm -hmm. Braden. Good choice. Yeah, I, I think this is a clean sweep. Sorry, I don't know what your pick is, Davey, but fuck, I think I can put it together. It's it's simply because as a wrestling fan, let's 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 d- d- like dissect it because as a just watching WWE with the whole the testing thing and oh, someone lets out that they they contracted COVID and they get mad at them and the way they treated their talent. There's no like crowds and gates and house shows and stuff, so the talent goes to Twitch and other things. And no, 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 no you can't do that either. It's really shitty. But as a wrestling fan, when you watched, it's like for so long, as long as I've been alive, wrestling has been this thing where it's performed in front of a crowd. And then, yeah, they got put in this corner and it's like, yeah, it sucks. The whole world sucks. But how they presented themselves really early on just showed me that they they don't really care and they didn't really know what they were doing. But I'm seeing it in both ways. Like, as a fan, it it really looked like shit. Most of WrestleMania was so weird to watch, as any wrestling fan watched. It's like, there's no crowd. But then you you saw this other company, like, have, like, people scattered in the crowd, probably not following protocols and stuff. But it it made it seem like WWE was just lost and, like, didn't know what they were doing. It was just, it sounded scary to work there. Some of the wrestlers wouldn't show up on TV. Roman Reigns left. Brock Lesnar left. They're like, fuck that. We're not doing this because... You're not, you guys aren't taking it seriously. And when you, you know, like who, you know, kind of runs things in WWE and some things they're tied to and some people's uh, going back to some wrestlers on Twitter and politics and all that, it makes you really sour as a wrestling fan. So definitely worst promotion is WWE for me. Clean sweep WWE. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You've kind of said it all just uh, uninteresting product that, it feels very stale. Even even NXT, which I I love, has taken a massive step back, in my opinion. Controversy, uh, controversy after controversy coming out. Um, it does feel weird giving them worst promotion of the year when they've they're the company that has Ilya Dragunov versus Volta under their banner and Finn versus Kyle and and things like that. But overall, it just a very very bad year and i don't see any sign of improvement i don't see them taking any steps to kind of really shake things up it's just going back to the well time after time after time all right worst tag team as we get down to the uh, the last uh, handful of awards here last year myself and Braden chose the iconics way picked the b team and davy your worst tag team was marina shafir and jessamine duke oh. this year worst tag team Braden. Uh, I mentioned these guys earlier, and uh, I've I've decided I'm going to go with them. And it's Kip Sabian and Miro. Um, I know they've not been around for like the full chunk of the year, but I I didn't like Kip Sabian with his last tag team partner, and he scurried off, um, and he's got slotted with with Miro. The best thing about this tag team is Penelope Ford, um, and that's not saying much. Uh, I I. I, I honestly cannot stand watching them. I don't understand the character. We're recording this uh, in January, and obviously they're going to have this wedding angle eventually, and it's totally going to be, hopefully, we all see Miro like destroying everybody and then revealing himself as like this this new character of being a monster. But as this tag team, the the way they act and and just... It's it's just like you you know when those like NXT when NXT was like a new thing those like promo class 
videos leaked out and you could see like Enzo and Cass and all these like people learning how to do promos. It feels like I watch whenever Kip and, and Miro talk, I'm like, do you not watch like acting? Do you not have acting coaches, teachers, anyone? Cause it's really bad. And I, I don't want to rag on you, Kip Sabian, but even on BTE, the, the, the show, the YouTube show, he's such a bad actor. He, he's, he's got a great look. He's not a bad wrestler. I think he can step it up. I want, I want to say Kip Sabian is the best improved or most improved one year, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. But damn it, I believe in you, Kip, but you suck. <laughs> and Miro, get it together. What are you doing? Davey, we only had uh, Shafir and Duke do a few cameos this year. Uh, I don't know if they would qualify. Yeah, I, I can't go for them this year. Uh, I found this one hard because looking at all the, the tag teams, I mean, the tag team division in WWE just isn't pushed strong enough at all. AEW have a great tag division. Looking around, there, there aren't bad tag teams, in my opinion. I see misused tag teams, but... Um, the one I'm going for just kind of sums up WWE as a whole. And it's Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. It just made zero sense to me, the, the formation of this team. You had Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. And granted, they aren't the best workers in the world. But they've got such a great chemistry together and such a great personality. Um, they have, they're very entertaining in little backstage skits with... Uh, with other wrestlers and kind of coming in and interrupting an interview or whatever to split them off into what looks like is going to be a a singles push for both and then mere weeks after putting Peyton Royce with Lacey Evans which character wise I don't see why they gel together at all they didn't have good matches and then it seemed to be dropped just like that because well I guess Lacey Evans has a new sugar daddy now um but, yeah, this this was just baffling to me and just summed up WWE. Well, Th- this tag team sums up WWE for me. Lacey Evans is going to go off and feud with Cardi B, so she's set. Well, there's that yeah, as well, yeah. Team, yeah. yeah. She's had quite the year. She went from an all-American mom to uh, now hooking up with Ric Flair. Um, I chose as my worst tag team. And this, like, I'm going to explain it because I think they are more so just were put in a situation that really shines a spotlight on how how much NXT has changed now being on the USA Network, and that was the team of Inda Sheer, Rinku Singh, and Saurav Gurjar, who are just like two green guys that have size, and I think it shows you that like they are a team that you're doing a disservice by throwing them out onto national television where the game has evolved to such a state that you can't just be putting out guys that are just, you know, learning on the fly on television, and that's where... I think the NXT divide occurred when you went on to USA is that there's a whole factory of wrestlers that this year they didn't get to go out and do house shows. And you don't have that ability to go out and work in front of fans this year. So throwing a team like this on TV, I think like it exposes them right from the get go. And to me, NXT on national television can't be that anymore. And you need to be able to find outlets so that a team like this can can get that ring time, get their seasoning down, and then you put them out there. So it's not so much a knock on them as it's just like this is where you are in the process. And when you're hiring like outside athletes from scratch, like that's what you've got now. So I think that's a big story in 2021 of how WWE goes about developing those talents and finding different avenues to get them ring time, experience, and hopefully 
back in front of crowds at some point this year. John, I, I know we did a me, me and Davey did a best and worst of NXT just a few weeks ago, and I think we both brought up that tag team of Indusheer. It's like they totally disappeared. They they showed nothing on NXT. It's like they were super green. And isn't one of them like the the man with the golden arm, the golden glove, or the the guy the super million dollar yeah arm. the million dollar arm? Like there's a Disney movie made about this guy and. WWE doesn't shove it down our throats. It's really weird. Uh, but soon to see them in the, the what, the spectacular, the something soon? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, that was my choice. Uh, Way, finish us off here. I went with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Uh, you know, I feel like there are a lot of teams that maybe just weren't very good or have been overexposed. I think I went with a team that, you know, we had to see a lot. And um, judging by the potential of somebody like a Shayna Baszler, I think her being stuck in this team has been a real detriment to her career on the main roster. Um, I suppose they played like you know good enough like villains for some of the baby faces to go up against, but I didn't. I don't think about any other of their matches that really stand out. And um, they also contain. <laughs> it's a match that uh, it's a pairing. I will speak a bit more about in our next category. <laughs> oh, what a tease. <laughs> Our next one is worst female wrestler. Last year, this was all over the place. Davey, you chose Leva Bates. Braden picked Jessamine Duke. Way, it was Lacey Evans. And I chose Billy Kay. And uh, let me start things off. Congratulations, Billy Kay. A back to back this year. Wow. I went with uh, Billy Kay. You gotta be listen, joking. <laughs> listen, I'm gonna temper everything with something positive here. I think she is a tremendous personality. I think she could work great in a managerial role where it builds up to at some point she has to have a match with whoever your big baby face is. But to me, it's especially on her own, I think it's more pronounced now. Um, she's been on the roster a long time. And listen, the. Just being average these days is is not enough. Like the again, like the the bar is that much higher. And I think that there's a hundred percent a role for Billy Kay. Maybe it's managing Ricochet. Maybe that is just the missing ingredient. But um, <laughs> that is my choice. Back to uh, back. Way, is it a, a back to back for you? Um, from the last category, yes, because my worst female wrestler is Nia Jax. Listen, I know she came back from double knee surgery, so some level of regression is expected, but you should not be putting a talent back out there at this level unless they've gotten past those issues. She is so much worse than she was when she left. It's very clear she wasn't ready. She still might not be. We're talking about multiple injuries to Kyrie Sane, like one after like. Two matches that were quite significant, um, I thought. Very clumsy matches in general. Awful, 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 awful promos. That's like four awfuls. Um, and, and when I think about like just all the other female talent out there, I definitely think if given the same amount of opportunity, we would have far better quality of output. So my, my choice is Nia Jax. Davey. Yeah, I'm going to go the same. Nia Jax. She's got worse. She hurt Kyrie twice. Um, just if she's just painful to watch, I don't want to watch a wrestling match, especially just a regular TV raw match. I shouldn't be watching wrestling with my like heart in my mouth, worried that someone's going to get severely hurt. And that's how I feel when I watch Nia Jax, Jax, where you mentioned her promos as well. It like, she doesn't even have that. Her acting skills are terrible. Her promos are terrible. She offers nothing to the company, in my opinion. 
And the sooner we can get like a Raquel Gonzalez on the main roster to just feel that monster role, the better. Because uh, I think more people are just going to get hurt. And unfortunately, a a character like Nia Jax, WWE are always going to go to because they love that David Goliath story. And she's always going to be in a prominent position every year. She's going to have a little run. Um, She's terrible. I went back to back as well. Uh, I cannot stand Nia Jax. Uh, I always would give her the benefit of the doubt in NXT. She had some okay matches and you thought, okay, she's going to get better. And yeah, unfortunately there's injuries and stuff, but the only thing she ever did noteworthy for me in the world of wrestling was punch Becky Lynch in the face. I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, I, I don't like her promo. I think she's one of the absolute worst talkers. The fact that I think you hit it on the, on the, the head their way. The fact that she keeps getting these opportunities when, like, there's so many talented women in this company, so many, like, actual people who, like, the women who love wrestling and are really good at it. And then I tune on, tune into Raw for five fucking minutes and it's Nia Jax in her trash bag gear again. And I'm like, why are you still being pushed here? She's the big show. She's like, yeah. all right, we need someone big for this babyface to go so up against. Bad. But there's, there's other people in the room. Someone mentioned. Piper Niven, if if you want that bigger bigger woman as well to be a powerhouse, you've got people in the in the roster, but it's always going back to Naya. I I, I hate Naya. I don't like her. I know we we didn't officially give uh you know worst Twitter of the year, but she's definitely up there as well. Some of the stuff she says is just ridiculous. I honestly I, I wanted her to get better, and like I I thought that she there would be chance but this year showed that there's absolutely not she keeps getting opportunities it's clearly because she's related to someone and they keep pushing her but like honestly is one of the worst wrestlers of all time and i cannot stand her, her watching i do have an honorable mention from another show uh if nia Jax uh wrestles like she can't wrestle nia Jax just can't wrestle there's someone who can wrestle but she just acts like she doesn't care. And it's Ivelisse on AEW. Oh, I have yeah. to give that shout out because she just looks like she never wants to be there. Doesn't give a shit. Just has this smug look like I'm not selling anything. I'm not. I'm. It's fake. I'm not selling this. It, it's so jarring to watch that it takes me out of whatever she's involved the with. The stories have been out there about attitude and stuff. You and when you it. actually see it on TV, yeah. you go, well, yeah, this is why you're in the position you're in. Yeah. Uh, but st- that's just an honorable mention. Nia, I would watch Ivelisse uh, 10 times over Nia Jax. Okay, we've got two more categories. Uh, worst male, or sorry, three more categories. Uh, we'll race through these. Worst male wrestler of the year. Last year, Way and Davey chose The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Braden, you went with King Corbin. I chose Elias. Uh, I'll start off this one, and I chose with, uh, someone that I think just lost all of their momentum this year. I think that it was really notable to see how some performers adjusted to the changed atmosphere without fans and how others struggled and I think did not. I think he was in numerous uh, poor performances on on Wednesday nights, and that was the Velveteen Dream. I think that he had a really significant uh, regression this year. Um, Say nothing of, I think that people had a certain uneasiness watching him this year, and the fact is that, you know, there were, to me, these were brought up on calls with Paul Levesque, who just would not give any satisfying answer. I think that that is on WWE, that if you looked into this, like, there needs to be some kind of transparency of, okay, you feel comfortable using him. What was your line of thinking in this? And they did not want to go there. 
And I, I think like you do need to be able to say, hey, listen, we looked into this and this is we, this is why we are comfortable doing this. Um, so I think all of that together, it was a it was a bad year for Velveteen Dream. Davey. Uh, I'm going to go for Matt Hardy. Um, he had a great return on that first kind of empty arena dynamite, but the the broken Hardy thing just isn't working anymore. It's, it's not entertaining anymore. It's past its shelf life. Um, and he's visibly a lot slower than he used to be and is on TV way, way too much. Um, I'm just, yeah, it, it's a real low point whenever we're watching. And we, we tend to watch Dynamite pretty late. We we finish our NXT show and then we put it on. So it, it's normally quite late in the evening. And it's Matt Hardy every week who just makes me groan. Um, I think it's it's time to kind of call it a day and offer... Like, I'm sure he's got so much to offer the business and is an asset to AEW. But it's not in front of the camera every week on TV anymore for me. And that, that whole feud with Sammy Guevara um like th- that could another year that could have won a lot of these categories <laughs> so Matt Wait. Hardy uh I I have uh, honorable mentions Bray Wyatt like fuck I love the fact that he's trying the horror thing but it's just like it's not working it's totally not working and he had the, the cool thing with John Cena but it's it's not and a part of that was because of the guy he had to dance with, and that was Braun Strowman, another like contender here for just showed that like oh you 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 don't really know what you're kind of doing here. It shows when he watches it. When I watch Braun Strowman, I think of some blown up '80s wrestler trying to be in that spot who still just doesn't know how to wrestle. But uh, you could also say Slapjack, Paper Plate, Shane Thorne, poor guy, he's been thrown a, a terrible thing. But John, I I had the same pick as you. Uh, we watch NXT. We're the NXT show, and the the whole thing with him and and Triple H pretty much ignoring it is what rubs me the wrong way. Triple H could come out and say one thing that kind of maybe eases people. I don't know you still can think what you think and you look into it and and all that stuff without getting into it. But he is he has lost everything that he has. He, they turned him heel in a terrible time to turn him. Well, everyone hates you anyways. Let's turn you heel. Didn't work. He had that terrible... Very bad feud with Roderick Strong. Yeah, the Roddy and Adam Cole thing. It's that parking lot thing that really made me Even go, what? Even his beard looks like Gary Glitter, and that doesn't help. No, it like, doesn't. It's, I feel very uneasy watching him. He wears like all the weird gear stuff. I, I think it wouldn't have hurt. It, I don't know. We don't know details and stuff like that, but I don't think having him on TV... He is on a lot. He was just main eventing a few weeks ago. He is still a prominent character. And as me and Davey do the, the, the NXT show every week and week and week for a few years now, he's someone that needs to go away, at least for right now. If they want to tell us, hey, look, there's evidence and such that he's he's an innocent man or, or whatever. But he honestly just needs to go away. We feel he's detrimental to us. We're the NXT guys. And when it's like Velveteen Dream is headlining the show, we're like, well... People are going to switch over tonight. Yeah, they do. And all the all the times he's he's in a match or a main event because he still does that. Our our listeners, people write in or comment or tweet us and stuff, and they say like, "Oh, I I, I can't watch because he's on the show." And it's like, yeah, it puts obviously you guys know it puts you in a weird position to like watch the stuff. It's like I don't really want to watch it, but my job's to talk about this match, so I'm going to try to talk about it. But there's not one thing he did this year that was like any good and i i think he could have he this would have been a time to step away and stuff but 
it's also like he he hasn't really he hasn't really said anything, has he? Like he's not come out and been like, hey, what the fuck? Like I don't know. I think he tweeted that they're being investigated. Yeah, well, like it's that. not. It's honestly, it's not enough, and it 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 turns me off on watching that. There's obviously other guys in different stories and avenues, but his is definitely one where all wrestling fans are looking at it, going, "Hmm, don't know about that one," and it's not good. Way. Yeah, uh, you know, initially I I had chosen Goldberg for this one, but I went back and I realized the man only had one match. It was not a good match at all, but I, nonetheless, it was a short enough match that I I don't know if I can really qualify him for something like this. I tend to get far more offended if somebody takes up a lot of my time and wastes a lot of it and um, bores me for a lot of it. And so for that reason, because of the role he was put in, my worst wrestler goes to evil from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think if you're uh, somebody who is in the position of IWGP champion, you have to deliver up to a very certain different standard than your typical wrestler. And in fact, I think this man delivered, in some cases, the opposite. I found all of his main event matches incredibly boring. I think his in-ring style is very boring, technically incredibly proficient. But the same spots, the 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 amount of drag that comes along with some of these New Japan main events where it just feels like they have to hit 40 minutes for the sake of hitting 40 minutes, that really hit me with his particular matches. And then you add in the Dick Togo stuff afterwards. Uh, I think back to like, you know, some of the most boring times I had watching wrestling in the past year, and some of it was with his main events. So that was my worst wrestler of 2020. Everything's evil. Okay, let's move on, and we're going to go to worst match of the year. Davey, you're going to kick this one off. Uh, actually, this this goes on perfectly from Way's last choice because I'm with you. There, there were lots of terrible matches this year. Um, like there, there was a terrible one on NXT recently, Shotzi Blackheart versus Indy Hartwell. But it, it took, what, three minutes of my time? I can't get too mad about that. So I did look at the Evil versus Naito feud because it did not work. Um, I did not get from naito that his brother had stabbed him in the back he's still doing the the stalling t-shirt bullshit at the beginning of his matches and it was basically pick pick one of them and i went for the longest one which was at dominion 37 minutes 49 seconds way too long um way too much of evil way too much of naito um the whole Dick Togo stuff, just even the cheating is lazy. And I'm talking a bit more broadly with with evil, but even the cheating is evil will just hold the referee as as Dick Togo strangles someone with a cable or whatever it is. Um, This match, I just remember going on forever and ever and ever. And we just saw Wrestle Kingdom, which had the longest main event in Tokyo Dome history, that breezed by compared to this match. Just a long, massive waste of time. Um, <laughs> You're so right. Wait, sorry. The one you said was 36 minutes? 37 minutes. 37 yeah. minutes. And like the Jay White Kodum one that just happened recently. 48? 48, but felt like it was 20. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so that is officially my worst match of 2020. Wow. Braden. This year is interesting for wrestling because there's cinema matches. You got dentist matches. You got uh, you got Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara doing whatever the fuck they were doing in some of these matches, let alone the 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 injury one, but then that weird cinema match. But 
Uh, injuries in wrestling always ruin matches for me too, and it's unfortunate because you don't want to be like, ah, I don't want to say Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross was my worst match of the year, but unfortunately it had injuries in it, and it, it wasn't a good match. Um, but <laughs> there's something that sticks to me, and I, I had to get it. I had to. It was in my back of my brain, and I kept thinking about it. I'm like, no, there's something there. There's there's something. So I had to find it. I had to look this match up, and I made me and Davey watch it right before the show. And it comes from AEW Dynamite. And it's Big Swole versus Reba and Penelope Ford with Britt Baker in a wheelchair. And uh, this, this, is, uh, this is a thing of beauty. It's the Omega Okada of... The AEW women, yeah, AEW women's division. Uh, we've been we've been too nice on this show. We have not mentioned the AEW women's division yet on this show. So I thought I'd bring them to the dance, and uh, they they couldn't do that. They couldn't dance. This match is very funny to watch. Uh, I just just watched it today, and wow, uh, it doesn't make sense. There's there's argument that swole. Britt Baker could have had worst feud of the year because that just didn't make sense. It's just all over the place. But this match is just silly. Uh, ridiculous. What got me is you had Reba, someone who has wrestled, pretending that she can't wrestle. Yeah. What? As her tag team partner, Penelope Ford, can't wrestle. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> like, it's so weird. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm torn between a lot of those things. But when I went back and watched that, I was like, oh, that's... That's really bad. On our best and worst of NXT, I, I said worst NXT match was this one with, I think, Shotzi and, or no, Zia Lee and Aaliyah, I think, where Robert Stone pukes on someone in the match. <laughs> That's fucking bad, too. Uh, this was a hard one to pick, just one. But all fuck, all of those are just really fucking bad. The parking lot brawl, Velveteen Dream, that shit's bad, too. Way. Uh, I went with Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, the broken rules match from AEW All Out. Uh, you know, you mentioned Braden injuries affecting your enjoyment of matches and it kind of being unfair. I don't think this match was bad completely due to the injury alone. It was bad because they continued despite the injury. Um, what I thought was really kind of like... Um, unjustifiable was the fact that they had let AEW, AEW had let them continue. Of course, the wrestler is always going to want to, but it wasn't just, you know, an entering spot, but it, you had to have this man walk all the way over to the other thing, climb a scaffold and then push another man on top. Not, first of all, it looked terrible, completely like, I, I think exposed, like whatever you, every, we, we know wrestling's not real, but like there has to be a semblance of just like, just call it off. It would have been far more realistic to stop the match and to, you know, instead it was like uh, announcer scrambling and of course putting a concussed man in complete danger. So it made me feel very concerned, very uncomfortable. And that's more than I can say for a lot of the matches, bad or good. I saw this year. For mine, um, I had a few mentioned here, um, honorable mention to maybe the dumbest stipulation of the year. That was Roman Reigns and the Usos against Corbin, Rude, and Ziggler in a loser eats dog food match on January 31st. Uh, an absolutely abysmal match between Toru Yano and Jado uh, in the opening round of the oh. New Japan Cup in June. Uh, but this year, uh, I gave it to the Tuake Trophy gauntlet match from Super Showdown <laughs> uh, that I ran down earlier uh, God-awful match, uh, but worthy uh, contenders that you all uh, submitted as well. The final one is 
the I never want to watch wrestling again. This is basically the worst moment of the year. Something that happened in wrestling this year that just turned your stomach, uh, something that you detested that here at the end of the year still sticks with you. Kicking it off his way. So this year, um, I this category is really interesting because I, I think I basically look at it the same way I looked at last week's category with biggest story of 2020 because the biggest story of 2020 was you know, something that was really bad. Um, so for me, the I never want to watch wrestling again moment for me came with the speaking out movement. It was, uh, um, you know, like we can criticize, I guess, all we want, like some of the, the content that we see on TV, but it's more so knowing about some of the terrible backgrounds of some of the people that were involved in creating this this thing and that definitely gave me pause. So um, it, it's nothing to do with any sort of the creative that we saw on TV, but really uh, a lot to do with the reality that I hope is, you know, on its way to getting fixed in the industry. Yeah, I think I think that that's uh, definitely the period of, of this year that was like the hardest uh, to get through just horrifying stories and and so many of them that really just made you uh, look at this industry in a, in, a, in a different way for those that have not been um you know, just that are hearing about these stories for the first time and such a such a large number of them, uh, too. So that to me was just like the worst of the year was just that that whole period of, you know, people coming forward, but also realizing like what has existed in the years uh, that preceded this um, and hopefully is something that is significantly addressed and you do see that that culture change. I think that's a big thing in, in this new year is that this doesn't just get move to the side and and things just operate as usual once there are more shows that are coming back and, and running regularly uh, at all levels uh, of wrestling that that goes for. I also add in this um, the cuts made right in the middle of the pandemic by WWE at a time where other shows were not running. It's not like these performers could immediately just jump somewhere else. Uh, some were able to, but it was a very, um, you know, a scary time for performers and at a time when uh, WWE, that was a drop of a drop in the bucket for all you can talk about the fact that they were not running like regular, that we weren't able to sell tickets this year. Their television money was never affected. And what doesn't get focused on enough is the fact that by not touring, they saved so much money by doing that on top of things. And thus will have a record year in 2020. And yet they were look at all the other companies that have a fraction of the financial means that WWE did. And yet the the monster Financially, WWE, they were the ones and the first ones uh, to make a, a giant amount of cuts uh, way back near the early portion of the pandemic. Braden. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all going to say the same things here because obviously you, you hate that the WWE did that. All these people we allow into our homes uh, losing jobs and they can't jump ship and they can't really go anywhere. They can't really work because there's, there's a fucking pandemic going on and Everyone as wrestling fans watch this and been like, oh, like you support these these people, even though we do a worst of show and we shit on half of the roster. But it's like we we follow these people and wrestling is like real life superheroes and bad guys, but they're actually real people. So to lose their jobs and, and stuff during this time, it's it's so shitty just so they can make a buck. But wrestlers are real people. And we definitely saw that this year. And it's like horrifying to see some of these stories with the speaking out stuff and you know, for people to to give their stories and 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 be honest and, and tell their their things, 
it means a lot and it, the industry does need to change obviously wrestling is you think any you think it's boys club instantly and and clearly it has been that and obviously there's there's not it's not just the the brit rest scene but it's it's just it's everywhere but you compare it to to like music or or acting or just celebrities in general and it's 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 so hard to to separate people from like the art and sometimes you don't want to do that. And in, in terms of what happened with the speaking out this year, so many wrestling fans that don't want to watch wrestling ever again. They go, no, I, I can't. How can I how can I watch these guys that I that I love and, and I do think are like superheroes to me that I allow into my home week by week. But then it turns out that they are monsters and there's their stories. And of course, you can can believe certain stories about certain people and you can choose to not believe about them. But this this speaking out movement like needed to happen clearly and hopefully going forward when we have crowds again and everything that it will help change the business for good yeah uh, speaking out as well for me um i mean i was someone before i moved here i had very good memories of going to progress shows rev pro pcw i'd go to the british wrestling scene a lot and to me that might sound weird but i have memories of my final family holiday when it was the four of us together and we went to disney and we did sea world and i used to have all these great memories of sea world and shamu splashing around and then i watched blackfish and all those memories are tainted and i felt dirty about enjoying knowing how awful these conditions are and it, I kind of got that same feeling when that that day, that week, when every time you look at your phone and you check your Twitter, you see another story come out and, and another brave person coming forward with their experience. And you just go, well, fuck. Like, all of that is is done now. I'm done with that. And I think uh, I've got a lot of friends still in the UK who have completely gone, it, it's going to take a long, long time before I go to or trust a British wrestling promotion again. And obviously we we all cover this, so we're, we're not really going to step away. But it it does, like you, you talk about everything that's happening with, with non-wrestling fans and you ask yourself, why am I watching this shit? Like, are there any good people here? Because WWE's run by complete assholes. Carnies. And you've got the British wrestling scene with all these stories coming out and these stories coming out all over the world. And yeah, I I'd say it's definitely one of the times in, in, in a long time where I've, I've questioned kind of why I watch it. We all took a backseat. I feel like a lot of wrestling fans checked themselves during the summer. When this all came out, it's like, it affected us. It's especially you, you think of like your favorite musician or someone, someone out there really loved R Kelly. And then you go, ah, maybe I, I can't can't listen to R. Kelly, but maybe you secretly still do, you know? And that's again, it's like wrestling's this like art, but it's they're actual people you can reach out and touch and, and they're people. And some of these stories it, it needed to happen. And I hope things move forward in this world. And the world is still a twisted place, but fuck. And and that's where it sucks because you watch something like NXT or whatever, and you and you don't want to watch because there are certain people on there, but also I shouldn't not be supporting these other talents. Like, if British wrestling completely collapses, all the good people there, they've lost their jobs because of these 
assholes who've done horrific things. And it's like, I want to support the good ones, but now you go, like, how do I know, like, where I'm putting my money, who it's going to, what's happening, who to support? Um, it's It was such a just horrible week. And obviously it's still ongoing and there's still stories coming out and things. And Cancel culture is totally a thing. And, and obviously, John and Wei, like, you guys, like, we... We 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 don't like talking about it, but you have to talk about it. You can't not talk about it. It's like the biggest. Sto- it is the biggest story that happened in wrestling this year, and it it's it's sad that like we gotta talk about people. Like I mentioned, there's there's stories of people that are out there, and people believe them, people don't. But these these people are still on TV, and you read online whether they be true or fake, but there's stories out there. There's things out there that you, as a wrestling fan, as a fan here have to decide on your own what you think about these things. And then you tune you turn on Raw, you turn on NXT, and there's wrestlers that you're you're still questioning, but they're on TV and they're being used in main events and stuff. And it just it 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 yeah, it makes you not want to watch wrestling again. And and which like and then we'll move on. We we've gone very long on on this show, but I think it it comes down to I think your your fan base and at large, I mean you want to see like transparency in these cases. And that's for, listen, um, to me, it's like going back to the Velveteen dream story. And it's like, Paul Levesque did like that one interview with CBS. And he just said, well, we looked into it. We found nothing. And if that's the case, if that were, if that's true, then if I'm Patrick Clark, I want everyone to know that this is what was found um, for, for my name. Uh, so I would say that to me, just saying, well, we found nothing. That's not enough. Uh, I think that you have to be able to say, okay, these are the people we spoke to. This is where we are comfortable using this. And if, and if that's meets the public satisfaction, like that is what I think best case scenario, what you hope for in, in a case like this is that you get that transparency of this is what we did. We took this with the utmost seriousness and, and you you present that. I Don't, think that they they got around by saying the least and just hoping people would move on from that. And if they truly found like nothing or that they believe in this, like they they should I think share that it, beyond just like a one interview and then, you know, on a conference call kind of not want to talk about it very very clearly. So we're, we're going to move on though because uh I was not hoping for this to go so long. Uh, we we do have the likely and unlikelies uh from oh. last year. So I'm going to zip through these really really quick. Uh we had uh 15 scenarios from last year. Uh and way are you still with us? I'm here. Yeah. Okay, I just I just want to double check. I just want to make sure the feed <laughs> is here. not the, the feed Bray Wyatt has not attacked you either. Oh. Uh, so our first scenario was Paul Levesque takes a more active role on the main roster for Vince McMahon, and someone else uh, assumes control on NXT. Davey, Braden, and I all said unlikely to this, and that would have been the case this year. Now this is one you can debate. The XFL is preparing for season two. <laughs> Way and I said likely. Braden and Davey said unlikely. So this iteration of the XFL is not going to see a second season, Ooh. but another season of the XFL will happen. So I think that this one, we're all winners. You're all, yeah. <laughs> this might be smell. a push. Yeah. All members of the undisputed era leave NXT, well, whether it be to the main roster or elsewhere. 
Braden was the only one who said unlikely on that one. We need cool Kyle. It's all about Kyle Riley. I would say it again because there's Kyle Riley needs to be the guy. Uh, this one was actually proved um, likely by the time we released the show, but it wasn't when we recorded it. NXT UK strikes a TV deal. Uh, they did. They did launch on BT Sport. All of us had said unlikely. We were all wrong. <laughs> oh. Uh, Tessa Blanchard is with Impact Wrestling. All of us said unlikely, uh, which was true. AEW or NXT, one episode hits 1.5 million viewers that night. Uh, Me, Wei, and Davey all said unlikely. Uh, No episode of either hit that. Kenny Omega wins the AEW title. Davey, Wei, and I said likely and were correct. Paul Heyman remains in his current role on Raw. Way and I said unlikely, and he was removed from that role. Sinclair Broadcasting divests itself of Ring of Honor. Way, Davey, and myself got that right, stating unlikely. MLW lands a major TV or streaming deal. Way, Davey, and I said likely. Uh, I think when you consider the zone that they're doing stuff with, um, I mean, some of their other streaming deals, I mean, they're, they're not with, with giants. Uh, but the zone, I think if you, in, if you look at that as a, a notable streaming deal that they are on, uh, that was something that they uh, landed this year. D- a WWE pay-per-view airs as a special on Fox. That didn't happen. Way, myself, and Braden said unlikely. New Japan runs a non-January Tokyo Dome card. Davey, Wade, and Braden all said unlikely, and they did not run uh, a Tokyo Dome card outside of January. Chris Jericho wins the IWGP title. All of us got this right with unlikely. <laughs> and the last one, Kane Velasquez is a WWE wrestler. Braden gets this one right. He said unlikely. Yeah. So wow. Unfortunately, wow. I was right in that one. <laughs> so out of 14, um, I guess in this case, actually, you can uh, – so Braden finished with nine, Davey with 10, and Way and I tied with 11. Uh, so there we go. Profits. All right. All right. Uh, so Davey, you put together a list. I, sorry. I, I completely forgot. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. You didn't make was, it likely. I knew we were going long. <laughs> How about uh, Davey gets invited next year? That was the <laughs> scenario we put out. That's fine. We're running super late. So let's let's sneak in a few calls before we uh, get out of here. So if everyone uh, keep it brief with uh, maybe a few of your own topics or just uh, your two cents that you want to uh, throw in, we will open it up to calls for a few minutes. Yes, everybody. Uh, so if you're in the Zoom chat right now, you can hit the little button to raise your hand and I will get to your call uh as you get a prompt from me so let's start off here with brian brian if you don't mind unmuting yourself what's up what's going on hey guys great show again it's a it's a long one but you're i'm watching it live and i love it um my pick for well i well first of all i echo your thoughts on speaking out just dreadful stuff just coming to light uh, a company that I used to watch a lot and attend a lot, Chikara, is dead because of it. So there there you go. And uh, my pick for the worst show of the year, uh, I did not see Super Showdown, but I did see the horror show Extreme Rules, <laughs> featuring the Swamp Ass match or Swamp Fight match. Uh, eye for an eye. Uh, MVP declaring himself the U.S. champion because Bob uh, Apollo Crews did not show up. And Sasha Banks, in quotes, winning the women's title from Asuka because Bailey made herself the referee. So that's like two things there that you had to wait for Raw to happen before you figured got a conclusion. And like the Swamp Fight ended the show and you didn't really get a conclusion either. So I, I hated that show. 
<laughs> Remember I hated that early. show. Thank you very much for the pick, Brian. Thank you. Very good pick. All right, let's go up next to, I believe this is Jeremy. Jeremy, please uh, unmute yourself. You're on the air. What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, Yeah, just real quickly, I just wanted to talk about the worst incorporation of fans this year, and I had to give it to the WWE Thunderdome, uh, followed up by some honorable honorable mention to GCW Spring Break in the fall. Uh, But the, uh, the WWE Thunderdome I thought was an awful idea, and it's it's still being incorporated with uh, them not allowing fans into the Royal Rumble. And also, tomorrow night, they're actually doing it on NXT for the first time uh, using when I owed his platform, uh, which I don't know whether it'd be any different or not. But it's, it's disappointing to see him not try to get real fans back into the uh, stadium or to the product. Um, and to also use that as an excuse just to pipe in whatever chance they want to uh, pipe into the broadcast, such as like a Triple H chant from last night or anything else like that. Um, so, yeah, so that that's definitely uh, my pick for the worst uh, incorporation of fans this year. And thank all, all of you guys for your work that you guys do all the time. Appreciate you. Thank you for the thank call. Thank you. I'll say with the Thunderdome, it's a, I am not advocating for fans to be back in buildings right now. I think that, listen, they're, everyone's dealing with uh, the handicap. That is no, no live fans, or at least a very limited amount, if you're looking at uh, stuff like AEW, uh, New Japan. But to me, uh, it is what it is. Like, the Thunderdome, it did curb uh, their numbers going, you know, to just terrible levels uh, throughout the summer. Uh, so that was able to stop that, that bleeding. Um, it's not the most ideal uh, scenario but it is, it is what it is, but you're right. It is. They also get their, their, they are not fighting with the crowd anymore with, with chance either. So for, for their sake, I'm sure they, they love this, that they don't have to worry about that. They're going to get the desired reactions uh, they want, but I guess the Thunderdome is going to be polarizing for many people. With that piped in noise of fight forever chance. It's great. <laughs> the piped in noise is what gets to me. I mean, I, I think it like having the visual of, of like real people on zoom there, I think it's, it's added like a good amount of energy to the show, but like they're going the extra mile, like with, with trying to make it too fake and too much like a video game. Like, you know, especially like, man, the, even the Pat Patterson Memorial and having to do the thank you, Pat piped in chance at the end, it was just a little bit too much. Let's go to the Windy City, and we'll talk to Jake. Jake, what's going on? Hey, guys. Can you hear me good? Yes, we can. Hey, uh, again, guys, uh, thanks for all the great content over this past year. Really enjoyable show. Um, I, I do want uh, like a, uh, uh, another category I'd like to bring up uh, of my own. Um, because I was working uh, – because I've been home, uh, working home uh, for the past uh, 10 months, I've been – getting a lot of time off for myself and I've got the chance to go out of my way and watch uh, many other different uh, things, um, especially on the WWE network. So like worst. uh, So you guys brought up um, non-in-ring content last week. And I think the worst of that this week, uh, and I, and I actually listened to John's uh, review of the ruthless aggression series. And I took the time to watch that, especially the first episode. And, like just so much like just revisionist history and fluff, uh, especially that, especially that moment when, Oh, the WWF uh, changed its name to WWE because like, Oh, it's just a genius move by Vince McMahon and, and, and all that, and all that funny uh, and all that like nonsensical stuff I had to bring up. And, and also the show, uh, I don't know why I bothered wasting time on this. It's called the bump. 
um <laughs> just like <laughs> just like just four just, just like several morons just talking to each other uh just uh, just spewing and just shilling for the wwe and all that stuff and just like just talking about nonsensical stuff and just 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 utter crap and it's all funny that. you mentioned that me and davy always joke that we should be doing that show <laughs> someone uh let the, let, the, let we let them know we want the bump featuring white claw sponsorship and we'll talk about some <laughs> if it's you too then i'll be willing to watch it every <laughs> every episode so <laughs> that's all i can say so all right yeah just uh just want to talk about that and uh just just one more before i go uh i think i think the worst tactic that i ever see, i ever seen uh it was really right before the end of the year uh was that was that reporter bruce mitchell just making speculations about Brody lee's death which was which really ticked me off and the, the, and twitter and facebook was all on uproar about that and just really like man just like this industry this industry especially like the outsiders can be so toxic at times so so toxic at times so yeah it's just I just can't believe that people let even some journalists would go so far into that, into that kind of speculation. So that's all I have to say, guys. So thanks so much for the great content and I'll just keep listening from here. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Let's close things off here with Hanzi. Hanzi, what's going on? What's going on guys. Good show. As always. I, I, I didn't expect all this negativity. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it's shit. It's fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, um, for like some of the ones I had uh, Ottawa mentioned, I agree with a lot of what you guys were saying, especially with some of the bigger issues like speaking out and all that. Um, like with the worst gimmick, I put Raw Underground and I put Tazawa there. I know Tazawa hasn't, but like 205 Live hasn't really gotten the respect like until like recently with, you know, the NXT kind of thing. But I don't know. I just thought the whole ninja thing, I don't know, even for like Tazawa, like you expect better for him. And I'm glad Wade brought up Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara because that was supposed to be my promotional tactic the worst promotional tactic i guess but i guess it fitted in with like the match as well and tag team the only reason why i'm choosing this as the worst tag team is because they did have a main event spot in AEW dynamite and had serpentico and luther like you know what i mean like they're, they're so non-essential right now but i mean i just thought like why would you put them in the main event that's the reason why i put them as the worst tag team but um before i go you know uh do you guys think with like the re-emergence of uh of managers do you guys think for like next year there would be a category for you guys for best manager and worst manager because with AEW there's so many and now with NXT and WWE bringing like you know what I mean it just seems like uh in, in like in the history of like you guys doing the live audio wrestling and even doing this that there's been more managers in the last year than there has been in any other promotion and I'll leave you guys with that I think we like we just wanted to make it a more condensed list uh, this year because here we are at uh, two hours plus uh, already. <laughs> so I mean, you know, we'll revisit at the end of the year if it's a category worth bringing back. It's um, yeah, to me, it's like it's still a very small list um, in, in the grand scheme of things compared to others. But uh, we'll we'll reevaluate. Got Taz, Darby's dad. <laughs> There's a lot on AEW. Yeah, it's yeah. best Taz, worst Vicky. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings an end to the worst of 2020 we have gotten all of the negativity out so we can officially welcome in 2021 and uh brayden davy uh, thank you so much for joining us and um you know where can where can everyone go check out because as brayden reminds us every 10 minutes uh you guys do shows together yeah we do a lot of them uh well we want to thank you because like this is the the best and worst of shows are like the 
the creme de la creme and to 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 let us join you guys uh, for a few years in a row now uh, we we really feel honored uh obviously all the listeners there's crossover a lot of your listeners bleed into our listeners and stuff and uh we're all like one big uh post wrestling family here and we we appreciate you letting us come on and talk about what we liked and what we didn't like and uh, we appreciate always doing the shows with you guys including some of the stuff we've done patreon.com slash up next where you can go um we also just did a, a free show uh best match ever brody lee that was out on our free feed uh paying our respects to big rig there um and uh i don't know going forward we're we're doing uh bd elite it's gonna be a free show coming out february uh, i don't know what else are we doing uh, we've got a regular schedule on the Patreon. We do a show called, called Was Next, where we go back and watch uh, from the beginning of the full sale era of NXT, where we've just started February 2013. Big E's your champion. We're about to crown tag team champions for the first time Luke Harper, in NXT. A uh, lot of Luke Harper right now in the Wyatts. Um, we do a show called Up Yours, where we get reviews from our world champion patrons. We're going to be looking at Killer Clowns from outer space we're all over the place with that show and then of course yes we have the royal rumble game coming out at the end of the month to lead us into the royal rumble it's going to be our most ambitious game yet because we will hopefully technology allowing oh boy have 30 entrants in the royal rumble um world champions uh go look at your inbox on patreon oh. uh to see if you want a chance of entering that um but yeah, there's there's a lot of beef going around with that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so that's all the things to look forward to this month. And just give us a follow on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash upnextpodcast. Um, with this pandemic, all I'm doing is podcasting and twitching right now. So uh, come and hang out there. Uh, watch us play 2K19 and other random games. And join us for all our shows. Up next every Wednesday, 10.15. If you decide to... Um, you can always watch the video feed after John and Way's Dynamite reviews. That's right. Um, but we're doing a lot on there. So just give us a follow. It'll let you know when we're going but, live. Yeah. And Twitter, Instagram, at Up Next Podcast, because we do so many things. We post schedules of all the shows we do. And, and yeah, for for five bucks a month gets you access to all these podcasts. We do so many. We're we're trying to follow in the footsteps of the great Wei Ting and John Pollock. And damn it, we're trying. Really trying. Special shout out to uh, John Cena in the chat room right now. Uh, as uh, maybe we can announce right now, it's shot absolutely in the will be uh, now available not on the Up Next Patreon, but on the free Up Next feed. Yeah, Every- shot in the dark. He talks about all the shows you don't watch: two hundred five live, AEW Dark, NXT UK, uh, which we'll be talking talking about a lot more this year. I think I think there'll be some more eyes on that show, but. Uh, Davey's also going to be doing some some Impact reviews. You got the Bullet Club and Impact and all that weird shit going on. Uh, yeah, so shots, shots a 15-minute show. It's going to be coming out Wednesday afternoon. So it's a great kind of uh, prelude to your uh, AEW Dynamite and NXT reviews that night. It kind of gets you filled in. So you can get filled in with AEW Dark. You can get filled in with the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. That's in 205 Live. Main event, ROH. Sino uh, does a great job of condensing all that information into a shot of 15 minutes. Yeah, lots of podcasts. Wonderful. All right. Well, that's going to bring an end to the worst of 2020 show. Thank you to everyone that tuned in live or checked the show out afterwards. And that is it. Go follow up next. And all four of us will be back Wednesday night as we go head to head. Oh, the Wednesday night war.